0: Hi, you've reached the voicemail of Gus Norbaum thanks for calling I'm sorry I missed your call I'll get back to you soon as I get a
1: chance hey Gus just wanted to leave a quick message here was wondering if you could be on the podcast but I guess the answer is no for right now just know that all the listeners are going to be expecting you to submit a funny team name that you come up with that is original and appropriate alright I'll see you next time bye bye Gus Welcome to One Throw at a Time, a player's perspective on the game that builds and breaks our hearts. My name is Johnny Malks, and I'm here with my co-host, co-conspirator, Rowan McDonald. Rowan, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Johnny. Uh, It's always a fun day around 4.30 today. We got a message from our team Slack, which, you know, we've been on Slack for three, four years ahead of the game there. Christian dropped the Nationals pools and seeding, so... Took a look at that, and yeah, Johnny, did you uh, get a chance to look at that message as well? Nope,
1: didn't open it up. Conscious
2: decision not to look at it, or just didn't have time?
1: I was at work at the time, but I wasn't doing that much. Um, I think for me, it's most of the time a conscious decision to not look at the pools. I'm not someone who's like, no, don't tell me about it. Like, I'm fine knowing about it, but I don't really like looking at it myself and analyzing it. Mainly just because I think that it can get in my head a little bit and can make me worry more about opponents rather than things I can't control, like my team's energy the way that I'm preparing and and these sorts of things. So I think it goes back to my my nutsy roots. We would always have talks about controllables. In in
2: the in the mental department, do you, you know, just have I'll go up to the field at nine AM and whoever's up there is up there? Is it the same Mindset going into any team, or does anything change depending on your opponent as kind of the QB1 on the, on the O-line?
1: Yeah, I think I definitely will eventually figure out who we're playing and um, kind of do my preparation, mainly in terms of um, film, but also remembering if we've played them in the season. I'll eventually do that. I just am not someone who like jumps on the Pulls right away and like analyzes and starts thinking about it. Starts I think that, envisioning
2: the brackets down the, down the road.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. that that's also partially because I'm an O liner. So it's like less of a responsibility, at least in terms of the way that, um, teams that I've been on have been coached in the past to know the ins and outs of your opponent. Um, because you don't have a specific matchup who you're game planning for. There's not a lot of like spreadsheet notes on specific players that you're watching. It's more, um, figuring out who might guard you and also thinking about what you're going to be looking at downfield when you do face a team, which does change a lot. Um, save the difference between like a Rhino and a Johnny Bravo is like, you're going to get different personnel. You're going to get a lot uh, of different poaching looks. Right, sure. one will be more aggressive than the other. Um, one, you might be, have a little bit more of a green light in your mind to throw deep than the other. But it changes. Um, it changes based on every team. So I'll eventually look. Just wasn't something that I. Yeah, was well, I, I won't right spoil. On. I
2: won't spoil the pool for you. I'll, I'll let it develop organically. Um, I had. I had to look just for, you know, just. A, out of curiosity, B, out of you know, entertainment, but also uh, my cousin Thomas, head coach of vault. I just kind of want to see what vault's looking like, see you know, who's in their pool and see if they have like, a little bit of a path. So I, was, I, I had a vested interest outside of just kind of our game, but I would imagine on our team, out of the 26 players, that's about 23 probably immediately opened up that, uh, the pools. Who do you think the other two would be, hypothetically, that didn't have time for that?
1: Uh, coaches included or no?
2: Coaches were all in that as oh, yeah. soon as it came <laughs> out. Crew and Daryl have been probably watching film all day, and I guarantee you neither of them skipped.
1: You're right. Coaches are always watching film. I was on the phone with Brian Jones on Friday, and he was just like, I was like, how's your Friday going? He was like, good. I'm about to watch the film of when we played y'all. And I was like, what oh, wow. do you do when you're not watching film in your free time? Well, did
2: he hit you with any leading questions? Because Brian's very good at getting information. He does. Out of people.
1: He does. He extracts information. Did he, did he try? Um, not consciously, but that could have been part of just his his genius. Could have been uh, picking sure. it out just through like every fourth word. He's like, That's oh, great. truck stop, will. Do, you know, okay. <laughs> putting it his, like
2: uh, that movie where that genius like sees everything. Yeah, but
1: subliminal cuts.
2: Did you uh, talk to Brian about anything important? Or no? Oh yeah, yeah?
1: actually. <laughs> you
2: want to share? Share to the podcast. I was like, Rowan, you already know about it. I um, do.
1: Um, that's how you know you're having fun when you're just having a conversation with your friend, but it's recorded. Um, but yeah, we the beach Beach Worlds is back on it's WBUC back on officially. The menu. For almost uh, exactly a year from now, after Club Nationals next year is when uh, teams will convene. I think over 30 countries will convene in um, California for for the tournament. So and that's gonna best be really news exciting yet
2: for the old guys that you know might be past <laughs> our prime. We don't even have to retry out for the team. It's uh, we're just gonna walk right on. We're just gonna walk right on if we wanted. It, it's our spot. So I know there's a big DC contingent, and we were extremely looking forward to it. I know we were training and, and working out in the sand, but yeah, overall, are you going to take that spot? I don't think I've ever asked you yet.
1: Yeah, I think I'm planning on taking it. You know, I mean, one thing that like my history with ultimate and injuries and burnout and these things is like, you never know what's going to happen in a year. And a year is a long time when it comes to an ultimate season, but, um, I'm definitely gung ho about it now and really excited about the prospect of it. If, uh, the stars do align and we're able to do it together, that would be a dream come true.
2: Yeah, same. I am looking forward to, uh, to a little bit of beach. I just that one it was super fun. But yeah, that's in a year. But uh, I guess we have <laughs> some more pressing matters to, uh, to attend to.
1: Yeah, well, another national team-related thing was that the U24 list just came out. Um, I think that between last episode and this episode, I know we probably can't shout out everyone that got a tryout who we know because there are a lot of folks, which is wonderful, um, from the DMV uh, who got tryouts, but uh, a few of our truck teammates did, so we wanted to shout them out, and also um, our friends, uh Isaac Lee and AJ Merriman got tryouts, I believe. Absolutely. Anyone else we know who's not on truck and not the two I mentioned? Probably. Oh, wow. We know so many of these players. The U24
2: cycle is interesting because they're, like, already superstars in the pro and club division. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you're under 24, I have no idea. It's like, you look at these names, you're like, they get to play U24? Like, they're already, like, world's level players.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, a couple of William & Mary boys, uh, Lucas Riker, Langston Lee, they're incredible people, so proud of them. And um, anyway, just everyone... We can't mention everyone, but we love you. We're proud of you. Great job making those tryouts and go have fun with them. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Rowan, was, uh, you today, as of today, the, the news dropped, selected as the All-Star for, out of, out of the DC Breeze for the AUDL All-Star game in Portland, Oregon, I believe going down on November 12th. Are you excited about it?
2: I'm very excited about it. You know, for several reasons. One, just because yeah, it's been like a kind of a hard road back from the from the injuries and to feel like um like I'm physically and had a bounce back year. I mean last year honestly was one of my favorite years in in playing memory, even though like I wasn't as solid on the field. But um yeah, to have another good season is great. Obviously, you want to, you know, be there with, with your your boys and your teammates, which they're still the fan voting, so fingers crossed. But, uh, yeah, I feel good. I feel excited. I think the game's going to be fun. It looks like they're doing some rule changes. I don't know if you saw yeah. those.
1: I actually, my friend uh, Lily, who played for Rally this past season, um, was texting me today, like, what's up with these rule changes? I was like, I have no idea. I wasn't really following along. I was at work. And she sent me a screenshot of, like, there's gonna be a backcourt violation yep. after you're past the fifty, you can pull from ten yards close like outside of the end zone. You can it's there's like a two point rule if you throw it from before the brick mark. Are there any other ones?
2: Yeah, I'll just kinda hit bullet by bullet and give you my little take on them because I I wonder if like it's a long term play to test these and maybe bring them to the game. Start with the five-second stall. Five-second stall. I like it. Well,
1: you already got I, one of those I, I, in the Empire well, game. Well, I, I did in not like that five-second stall.
2: No, I didn't. That's a very true. <laughs> Too soon. But I like the five-second stall. Let's keep the Frisbee moving, folks. You know, the day of the stall nine, uh, Standler, that just hucks it on stall eight is, is over. If you're not moving Whoa, whoa, disc, whoa. You're, you're Those are my mover. people you're talking about. No, no, no. William and Mary offense. <laughs> keep it moving, Johnny. I'm just kidding. I know. You'd be a good hold for nine and shoot player. There you go. Because Thank you. I mean, the potato. a <laughs> rock. But yeah, stall five. I'm pro. Let's do it and let's bring it in. The only worry I have, speaking about that time that I got stalled out at five seconds, is if the refs count fast and all of a sudden you have three and a half or four seconds. Yeah. That'd be tough. Let's make it a real five seconds. Yeah. I like that. Um, Backcourt violation impartial to it. I'm more of like the ADL should try to do different things because it's not club. It's something that we're trying to show people that don't know about ultimate and are new to the sport. So in that sense, like, go crazy, have these kind of rules, the backcourt rules. I personally don't want the backcourt because I do envision a day where we're up two or three and we're just trying to melt the clock, which is probably the opposite of what every single fan and the ADL wants, but I'm down to throw it a hundred times and move it back and forth and back and forth, up and down. Thoughts on the backcourt?
1: Uh, I just think it would be, like, personally hard to get used to and would probably lead to a few, I don't know what the penalty for doing it is. Is it yardage or a turnover?
2: I don't know that answer. Cause but I that, think, that yeah, would okay, make I a mean, big
1: difference in how I feel about it. If it's yardage, it'd be like, okay, that'd probably happen a couple times. If it's a turnover, like I would get probably very angry very quickly because I would forget
2: yeah, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. It could just be a swing, but yeah, other than that, the two pointer obviously is a big one that people have played with. If you played Wildwood, I have not, but The two-pointer, I am, I'm again, I'm fine. I'm like just, I'm fine with them trying things. Like, I don't think it's the end of the world. It doesn't help the DC Breeze, who generally don't throw that kind of range throws, but also tend to give up some of those. Like, historically, we've lost big floaty jump balls in the past.
1: If you're a student of history, you'll know. If you're a student of
2: history, yeah. Pretty much all of our major losses (laughs) against New York in the last four years. More excitement, probably, but ultimate's going small and quick, so I don't think it'll come into play too much, honestly.
1: Yeah, and of course, I mean, last time there was an All Star game, you uh, were you were a captain, correct? I was last time we drafted, and you drafted, and it was a really competitive game. I remember some players like their coaches had to like text them in the middle of the game and be like, "Hey." you need to not jump or something, you know, like players were getting these restraints in the middle of the game because you were going so hard in that game. And I remember uh, watching it and I was like, okay, will this be like, you know, the, the pro bowl where they're just like touching each other for tackles and whatnot, but no, no punches were pulled. And didn't it go to, was it like overtime? It
2: was crazy. Well, We were down a little bit after either the first or second. And yeah, I was like, I guess I was just team captain. And I drafted the team, and then I was like, "Let's just play." Which, looking back on it, you know what? I'm happy I made that call. You know, I'm, I'm I work hard, I try hard, and no regrets. No regrets. Like you want a little circus act of these fun trick throws? You know, check out my YouTube. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm out there. There's a competitive game. I'm going to play ultimate. So maybe this year we regress to a little bit more of the pro bowl style fun. But yeah, I'm I'm fine with how the first one went. Everybody was playing their hardest and yeah, we lost in double overtime. Mm, um, tuffy.
1: I mean, for fans, I think they would love the playing your hardest. I was just curious because you had an inside look at like a, a a game that I think a lot of people, like I said, thought would be less hard fought but it was really entertaining.
2: Well, yeah, great. I mean, that's what you're You're an to.
1: entertainer. I think Whether it's the trick I throws
2: love or the playing hard, you just
1: entertain people, well, Rowan.
2: My latest dream is maybe in the twilight of my career to leave DC, which is such a and I love this system oh. and I, I'm all about the system. Oh, we but love like it. my last year of Ultimate, I just want to go to just get out of town. Just go to Detroit and just entertain and Detroit. Throw whatever I want.
1: Rowan gets the first win, retires. Yeah. I, I still got
2: some system, I got some years of system ball. I got some years of system in him. Don't you like, worry. You folks. got like 10 years of system ultimate in.
1: Oh, uh, we'll see. Jeez. You got to take it throw by a throw, uh, <laughs> one throw at a time. Of course. Um, the, the only other thing that I wanted to do in this very concise cold open, Rowan, was talk about truck stop practices, weekend routines, and also tapering because we are now getting into a phase where, um, I know for me and I think for you too in, exactly a week's time we're going to be getting off a plane in san diego for um for nationals and then national starts uh next thursday so what i was wondering is um how are we preparing in your view as a team um as a as a truck stop unit um and how does that compare to years past and then also, is there anything that you're doing differently with your tapering leading up to nationals than you would another tournament, um, or just any thoughts on tapering in your training regime in general?
2: Great question, and I like how you kind of asked it, you know, the team side and, and the individual side. I'll start as a team. I've just been blown away by how well the leadership has, uh you know, put the season it's like this master plan to, to get us peaking at the right time. You know, the practices have been amazing, and they've really done a great job of, you know, putting the pieces together at the right time, and I feel really, you know, comfortable with, with the work they've done. Um, a good double practice this weekend, and, yeah, just really, I think we have a few left. I can't read their mind, but I have to imagine, you know, we play pretty hard. We have practice tomorrow. I think so, yeah. I think we play pretty hard tomorrow. Play pretty hard Saturday and then maybe start to use Sunday as a little maybe some touches, but uh yeah, I have just honestly at this point whatever they say I'll do just because of how on they've been the entire season. How are you feeling as a the team side of ultimate anything that's caught your attention? This is your, you know, first year on truck stop or, you know, the elite men's division. What do, what are you thinking?
1: Well, besides, of course, my, uh, John my year in 2017 when I played for truck, sure, quote sure. unquote, sure. practice player, you know, filling Johnny in for hours. talent where we just took
2: him at the end of the season. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But, um, my first full year,
1: it's been good. I mean, I've never been on a team that, uh, besides that year on truck when I was kind of in and out. Um, and I was at college that year too. So I wasn't experiencing these right before nationals practices. First time I've been on a team that like is pretty deliberately preparing for like specific moments in the tournament even. Um, and I think that you can see that through the prep that um, our coaches are doing to plan for practices and make sure that all players are feeling comfortable with a lot of different scenarios so that when we're in a game, it's never going to be, okay, this is new territory, sure. right? We will have covered it. And I think that that's the most important thing as much as possible for athletes. And the whole point of practice when it comes down to it is – trying to get yourself in a place where you're not thinking about what you're doing on the field. You're just doing it almost like muscle memory, um, almost like writing or speaking uh, a native language. Um, and I think that coaches have been doing a good job of that. What about tapering individually?
2: Yeah, just really trying to put a holistic approach to the season. And it's kind of my first, uh, first attempt at this. I've always wanted to feel good physically, but this year I've been doing a little bit more on the other uh, realms of, of ultimate in terms of the, the mentality and also the spirituality of, of the season and, and how I'm feeling. So I feel great. I, you know, starting with physically, I have sat a lot of games and a lot of practices all season just so uh, I didn't have the mileage on my body for these last couple of weeks and it's paid off I've I had to miss one practice for a coaching engagement but I've played at every practice played almost every point even participating in almost every drill usually sometimes if I have to save a mileage I might you know sit out a drill but I've been pretty much playing everything every point I can physically couldn't feel better mentally just as important I feel really really good I feel more confident than I've ever felt. I've had a lot of issues with my confidence, even like my whole career, but I feel very confident. I have so much confidence in our system and in our team, and that's really helping me mentally. There's been years in the past where I like hold my breath and hope like I play well at nationals because I almost feel like I have to. And like those like selfish thoughts and those, those days are long gone. And I just feel Like really confident, where oh, if I get a a really good defender, I might just like hop in the stack all game and let y'all cook. And the you know, there's small things are just really enlightening. So the mental side of things are great, and then the spiritual side—I don't really know how to describe it, but it's there. I you know, I've been doing a lot of being present and being still, and doing my yogas, and yeah, we'll see if that. Is paying off. I keep telling our young guns on the team that I was going to say everybody's always posting their workouts, and which is great. And the other day, I had a little back and forth with uh, your dear friend uh, and my dear friend, but your bestie, Luke, and uh, he was kind of giving me the eye roll on some of my holistic, spiritual, mental talk. But I believe
1: the exact quote was to all the young bucks out there: don't neglect the spiritual and the mental side of the game.
2: Amen. There you Amen. Go. And they will. And guess what? When I was young, I neglected it too. <laughs> That's just the natural progression. It's like a river
1: of ultimate players flowing toward the promised land. And as a part of that flow, I think let's talk about any short do you have any short term goals? You got any short term goals between now and nationals, or are you just vibing?
2: Um, no, I do. I do. Um I have a a master plan. The mileage okay. was a part of a master plan right. all the way to the to the thing where there's a few things I need to check off before I go, and right now uh, the dine bike is one. I need I'm going to do six. Airdyne okay, I'm going to stop
1: you before you continue. If you're playing us at nationals, if you're on a team and you're playing us at nationals, stop listening now, and I'll tell you later when to pick back up. Okay, go ahead, Ron.
2: Yeah, there's a couple things left on my checklist. You know, I had a master plan called mileage, and that takes me right to nationals. And the last phase right now is. Um, the Airdyne bike. uh, I need six sessions in the last eight days. I hit hit yesterday and I hit today. I'll be doing four or five yoga sessions in these last week. Yoga, Airdyne are my two primary focuses and uh, one last 100% practice and I should be good to go.
1: Yeah, that sounds great to me. Um, For me, my goals were mainly Getting enough sleep and getting consistent sleep. Yes. Um, and also just continuing to do the stuff that I'm doing. So I've been, I've been doing pretty well with the sleep goal. Also want to add the nutrition in there as we covered last week, uh, or I guess two weeks ago now. And once we marry all those things, I think it's going to, going to turn out to be a, a great experience together. I was telling someone today that um, I hope that we can have uh, a lot of intense and Um, loving moments together as a team, and hopefully that will create a positive, hopeful experience regardless of our on-field outcomes, and I think we'll also do a great job of influencing those on-field outcomes.
2: And I'm happy you said that, too, because that made me, you know, back to the team side of things, there is one more thing on my checklist, and I'm going to host a uh, mentality and spiritual talk before the tournament. It's going to be totally optional, but I'm putting it out in the public through this podcast so that I actually follow up through our Slack. Accountability. Because what I drives me crazy is like the mental side of Ultimate's invisible. I know, and, and this is great for your Nazi background. Please it's perfect. It's here. perfect. But what I found that helps me most, since like nobody can really know anything, because again, it's like you can't see it, you can't touch it, can't feel it. But hearing other people's perspectives helps me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that my goal for that meeting is just to hear what other people are thinking. When you go down two in an elimination game or, you know, if you're not playing well, what are you thinking? And so I'm just going to make an open floor and see how people are, are thinking about things just so I hear new perspectives that maybe one sticks for me.
1: Definitely. And I think it just helps you get excited also about nerding out about the sport, you know, when you hear... How much other people think about it It helps you feel less isolated And is a way to open up those vulnerable lines of communications And you know what it also does, Rowan? It helps the young bucks out And we've got a lot of young bucks on our team We talked about the U24 we got one just like you. We talked about Luke You know, he's a, he's a notorious young buck A lot of young bucks to wrangle And I think you're going to do a great job in that meeting Okay, if you're playing us at Nationals You can start listening again now Welcome back Rowan, we're going to move on to this week's shenanigans. And now that we're getting farther along in the fall, the developmental college season is starting to come into full swing. And I thought that this would be a good time to introduce a new element to our shenanigans lineup. It's called Name Game. And Name Game is one in which we're going to create the most ridiculous, yet appropriate, (laughs) ultimate team names we can think of and write a small backstory on what kind of team culture we think they would have, or at least how they were
2: created.
1: Would you like to start, or should I go ahead?
2: Um, or should we switch off? Let's go back. Let's go uh, back and forth. Okay, let me take the first one. Then. All right, good. You can set the stage because I have no idea what your list is. We always take a few minutes to kind of make our list, so I have no idea where this is going.
1: Okay, don't no pixies. Uh, the first team name that I'm starting off with uh, on our terrible team name list is Angry Cheese. Okay, and I'm imagining bright yellow jerseys and just terrible uh, graphic design. But Angry Cheese, and the story behind it is the team captain had a dream that involved a bellicose slab of gruyere before the first team meeting, and it just caught on. It was stuck in his head, the idea. What about you?
2: Okay, that's (laughs) that's what we're working with. Good, okay. The Angry Cheese verse. How about this? Angry Cheese verse. The High Street Hippies. High Street Hippies. Now, they're quite opposite team than the Angry Cheese. They're tie-dyed up. And, you know, they know how to play Ultimate. They know how to throw the Frisbee. But I'm just a little bit worried that, you know, Ultimate's trying to go to a new place. You got to love its roots. But I think just, you know, we need to get away from the High Street hippies.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, we need to get away from it. Yeah, totally. That's fine. Yeah, get away from the High Street hippies. Get away from the real-world iteration of that team, the Trenton Takers. Little little shout-out to a, go, a, a former regionals uh, a matchup of mine. The next team on my list, of course, their infamous or maybe famous Soft Dream. And Team Soft Dream is they love playing on grass, so that's like where the soft comes in. And they didn't think about how strange the name was until they got their super sublimated jerseys from Breakmark Ultimate. On to you, Rowan.
2: And, yeah, you know, that two-month turnaround time, you know, you can't get New Jersey, so you're stuck with that. You're stuck uh, with Soft Dream. Sometimes you're stuck with Soft Dream. Okay, the second team on my list I have is called the Jersey Shore because we were talking about Wildwood a little bit earlier, but this team wants to know everybody, this is our home tournament. We are the Jersey Shore, and all these teams come into Wildwood, but I feel like the Jersey Shore team wants just. Wants people to know whose turf they're actually on,
1: and I'm imagining that they've all got spray tans and all got huge bobs.
2: Well, you know, you know, my mom's from Atlantic City, uh, a sweetheart. So not and every no spray, no, no spray
1: tans from you my know mom. What I her like sister that though probably <laughs> because I was expecting to get some pushback. You know, people would be like, "I'm from New Jersey, we don't have spray tans." So I'm glad we got that. It's now. a team of sweethearts. A team of sweethearts. There you go. All right, the third one on my list is the foliage lookers. Now, of course, they're an all-farmer team out of Vermont that's just oh-so-down with memes, and they're just so cool, and they know the name's bad, but it's, like, so bad, they think that it comes all the way around and becomes good. Kind of circles the horn. So the foliage lookers, and who are they going to play this Saturday?
2: They're going to play the Nantucket Narcs out of a (laughs) small island... That belongs to Massachusetts. Regional matchup. The Nantucket. yeah, it's a regional matchup. <laughs> I think the Nantucket Narks really build an identity around, you know, just making sure that nobody gets away with uh, with anything. And yeah, it's a you it's tell endearing. It's an endearing name for the Nantucket Narks. Like for them, it's nothing bad. Like, they're they're proud, proud of being a narc. Yes,
1: kind of like me. All right, the Armpit Vultures is the next team. The Armpit. Vultures. Now, of course, they're a grunge group of dudes and dudettes from just outside a major city who listen to Kurt Cobain's demo tapes during warm-ups. So not only are they super grunge, but they're also super indie. And of course, that's why they're called the Armpit Vultures.
2: Okay, for for their matchup, we are going with the Sticky Situation. (laughs) And unfortunately... Nobody knows the backstory to this team to this day. They've been around for 25 years and some of the new players are just like, we need to rebrand.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just all about the culture for the sticky situation. I think a similar idea for a soft dream. Um, the other team that is up on my list is Salad Trouble. And this is a pretty easy origin story. It was just a bad band name that was repurposed into a worse ultimate team name,
2: Salad Trouble. A uh, real real band sound?
1: Oh no, that was just the in the fiction.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one seemed like a little nonfiction. Oh, no. I almost bought that one.
1: No, do you want to hear what my actual really terrible band name was from the eighth grade? Totally, social currency. That's a great name. It was so freaking indie. I could almost taste the fame. Ron, do you have any more on your list?
2: Yeah, my last one is actually (laughs) my last one's a little nonfiction that Johnny peaked. He just saw it, spoiled it with a laugh. Uh, This team called Truck Stop, which to this day, even players that have played there for five, six, seven years don't really get it, don't really like it, but the old grumps boast and brag about it, and you got to live with it. So, yes, maybe this team had a worse name in the past. Maybe, maybe, but it's still
1: pretty awful. I mean, to each their own. Um, and my last name is Shy Guys Fly Ultimate Frisbee Club. Now, this is a long name, um, it's referring to Shy Guy from the Mario Luigi totally, yeah. Nintendo franchise. Shout out Mario Baseball! And just a quick digression when I was a small child, maybe only five or six. Um, or maybe a little older, I can't quite remember. My parents got me a GameCube, which I still have to this day, love it. I was thrilled. It was my favorite thing to do was play GameCube. Mario Baseball was my favorite game, still one of my favorites to this day. And one of the most bizarre moments they remember from my childhood was I apparently like did not have a sense of time or like time boundaries. So one night they woke up at like 3 a.m., And I had apparently woken up and just went down and turned on the TV and the GameCube and was just ripping some Mario baseball like straight up in the middle of the night. And they were shook because I'd never been up like that before. And I think two things on this. One, Mario baseball is dope. And two, isn't it crazy what technology can do to our brains? It is scary. Make sure to spend some time disconnecting out there, folks, after you listen to the podcast.
2: If you're listening to this podcast, maybe on a walk.
1: Go for a walk. Go for a walk right now. So, but anyway, shy guys, do you have
2: anything? Else I mean, to say I'm, on topic? I'm I'm anti-technology too. Right? We're
1: anti-technology, but we love it also well, we do because like we get to talk to you. Um, anyway, back to shy guys fly ultimate frisbee club. It's a classic example of a team trying way too hard to work an ultimate pun into some ar- like nerdy facet of pop culture. Like I get it, I'm a nerd, I love it, but folks, we can do better, in my opinion. All right, Rowan. I was thinking that it could be cool to go back to our roots a little bit and uh, call around, call some friends, and see if they have any ideas on some terrible ultimate frisbee team names that they can come up with.
2: Um, let's this, start this, with our this uh, cold call from Johnny made our podcast famous. Hello, Mr. Moles. Hey, what's up,
1: Musa? Uh, you cool you being doing? on the being on the pod for a quick a quick hot hot quick second.
0: Oh yeah, I'd I'd be happy to.
1: We're playing a game where we made up like the worst possible ultimate team names we could think of. (laughs) Um, Do you like have any inclination on what yours might be if you were playing the game?
0: You know, my first instinct is to use something that I highly dislike in life as part of the team name. And that is... This might actually be a pretty hot take. Cheez-Its. I despise Cheez-Its with all my might. And so mine would probably be like the Cheez-It Fiends.
1: The cheez terrible name. And then their rivals could be the Cheez-It Queens.
0: And the Cheez-It Queen, exactly, exactly. Um, anything with Cheez-It in it, bad, 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 bad.
1: And how would that name come about, do you think? What would the backstory be?
0: The backstory? Oh. I think it would probably be, you know, I'd expect a team like this to maybe be uh, like a high tide team or maybe like a layout team, Fool's Fest or something. Maybe like Wildwood, you know, Wildwood, all these, you know, I, I imagine people were bonded over Cheez-Its as a snack in a dining hall somewhere. And then they're like, yo, like, what's our team name going to be? It's going to have to be super funny. And they're like, yo, we're the Cheez-It fiends.
2: Would, would that fire you up if you were playing against that team, knowing your uh, hatred towards the popular snack?
0: Oh, 100%. I would want to crush them. Absolutely demolish. could not be having anybody who enjoys Cheez-Its enough to name a team after Cheez-Its win against me.
2: Well... Extremely enlightening Musa. While I have you here, can you share the uh Wordle start please? I didn't get the text today.
0: Oh, Wordle, oh, that is my apologies. The Wordle start for today wives, w- w- wives, wives.
2: Rowan That's is taking notes. Well, Musa and uh, has brought me into his uh House Wordle game where they all start with the same word and it's a little challenge. I participate in a few times a week. So, um thank you for the word Musa and thank you for the team name.
1: Thanks for being on, Moose. Good to talk to you. Part of Rowan playing the Wordle is just another way that he stays on top of his game mentally. And spiritually, because everybody loves that wordle. It
2: also is a, a good bonding time because my, co, uh, my co-pilot my co over there, Simret, is also involved and in usually our our fourth guesser. We try to get it within four. Some people worship that wordle. Would you say that you both do, or you just kind of lukewarm on the wordle? I've, we've been playing for about 10 days, and we've been following Musa's and Fall's word for about a week as much.
1: You cool with uh, being on the podcast for a sec?
2: Right now?
1: Right now. It'll just take like two minutes.
3: Sure.
1: Okay, so we're here with Luke Rafis. Luke, we're playing a little game where we come up, we tried to come up with the worst possible Ultimate Frisbee team names.
3: I mean, if your team name has Ultimate Frisbee Club in it after any word combination, you're immediately F to your team name. Maybe even just shouldn't exist. Should probably be forced to disband.
1: So just give us um, one off the top of the dome.
3: I suppose there's a body odor pun in here somewhere. Frisbee players are notoriously bad smelling as well as body odor itself is, you know, miserable in general. Hmm.
1: Hearing you say that one that comes to mind for me is Stanky Fish City.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think I would want to play for a team called Stanky Fish City.
1: Yeah, but what's one that you could come up with yourself? <laughs>
3: I have one. Oh, Kayla has one.
1: Kayla's got Sweet. one.
3: Wow, Sweaty Toe Fungus Flicks. That's from <laughs> the future wife of AUDL, uh, rookie of the year, <laughs> <laughs> contender, home laundry doer, Kayla Carter, seemed to be Kayla Rafis. Wow.
1: Can you just repeat it one more time?
3: Sticky toe fungus <laughs> flickers. Is <Yeah. laughs>
2: flicks not flickers, but worse. Flickers is worse. <laughs> it's it's getting better and better as as we go. Yeah. Are you, a flick? Go are you a flick or a flicker? One is the flickers are the A team. The
3: flicks is
2: the A team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and Luke, while we have you here, you know, just uh, in a slightly different realm. Two of the three fastest truck stop players went to the track together today. I was just wondering for a quick rundown um, you know for our listeners. You know, what uh what went down?
3: I mean, no surprises really for anyone who lives in the area of DC. Uh Alexandre Fall thinks he's the fastest person on truck stop. And every time he races someone new seems to not be Cole Jurek, who might be the fastest person on truck stop, but we still haven't officially raced Uh, has dethroned him on multiple occasions, and he wasn't even going to show up uh, to the track today, but I told him it was an an automatic forfeit if he skipped my workout. So he showed up, specifically requested the smoke, and I couldn't deny the man any longer.
2: And that concludes this round of shenanigans.
1: (laughs) All right, Rowan, moving on to some listener questions. Personally, one of my favorite parts of the week is just opening up our mailbox, seeing what kind of listener questions we got in there. I think we've got a trio of questions today. The first is from our friend Liege Merrill. I believe that's how it's pronounced. If it's not, yell at me. But Liege Merrill, um, a relation to our good friend, Joe Merrill, who played on the breeze with us last year, shout out Joe, come back to DC. He was shredding it up with the Salt Lake Shred this season. And Liege asked a couple of Joe specific questions that seemed a little bit, you know, less than objective. Asked a couple of really good other types of questions. Just a quick one to kind of get us set up and warmed up. Rowan, would you ever adopt the mustachioed look? as Johnny did for a while?
2: Um, I tried, and it was, uh, I still remember vividly. I was in a hotel room in um, Blaine, Minnesota, or close to Blaine, and I went with the mustache. We were going playoff mustaches for the Breeze. So we had a playoff game the upcoming week, and we you know, played one day in Blaine, and, and then that game was streamed, and we were kind of watching it back. And my jaw dropped watching the stream, how awful the mustache looked on me. I was pissed that my teammates didn't tell me. I went right into the bathroom, cut it off, and you'll probably never see the mustachio again. You had your chance,
1: America. But if you wanna see it, is that the I think it was the the revolver revolver game? game. Yeah, it's on
2: YouTube. (laughs) Go check it out for Rowan with a mustache. I I played pretty well that game, so Please watch it, but um, more for the uh, ultimate side and not for the uh, hideous mustache.
1: Bro, but I think one of the reasons that not many people told you about it was just because we all thought you looked debonair, very handsome. But I do remember that morning, I was coaching, but I, I was pulling out my phone to, to check on how our team was doing. I see a Slack message from Rowan: does anyone have beard clippers? It was like, weird request, does anyone have beard clippers? It was
2: extreme. It was like a... a a switch flipped, and I was like, I need this gone. <laughs>
1: um, good. Well, another uh, substantive question here uh, from Liege Merrill is, is it good for Ultimate to stick with what works and have the Ultra Star remain our default disk forever? Is encouraging competition between USAU-approved disk makers like Discraft, ARIA, Eurodisc, Innova... Uh, in order to innovate, make it possible for better disc innovations to come out and avoid the dangers of a monopolized market?
2: I could talk Frisbees and discs all night, but I'll keep it... Um, sustenant? Is that right? Mm, succinct? Succinct. There it is. Johnny. I got my Huzzah. English major. I got my English major right to my right to my left. I think there should be competition. I don't think the Aria is a good disc. I saw... That a team at Richmond made somebody use an ARIA and almost bully them into using it. If I'm on the team and somebody's like, we use an ARIA because they sponsor us, I would have launched that disc over the fence every time I touched it. Or it launched just, it edge down into the ground, baby. Or I would have, I don't spike, but I would have spiked that disc. Wow. Our team's not practicing with ARIA. Why are we playing with this in competition? That is a big L for whoever did that or coach captains. So anyways, not on the Aria train. They're close. I think there should be competition right now. Innovating the Ultra Star is hard because it does its job very well. It's a classic. It's a classic. It flies well. It's got a good edge. It's comfortable.
1: But do you know what the original classic was? The Whammo frisbee. Bring,
2: bring Whammo back. That's a major sponsor, major company that put money into Ultimate. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, I do have long-term dreams of designing the next major competition frisbee. Wow. After I play, I'm you know, I have, I,
1: I have, because I think that you'll do it, and I want to get in on the ground floor. I have a recommendation. Have a little button on the frisbee that when you press it like refreshments come out so like there's a little pouch but and it'll have like we
2: hated technology it'll have
1: Cheez it's in it it'll have angry oh cheese in it. it'll be all related <laughs> to the team names games. it'll have armpit vultures in it you know how it is okay. anyway maybe drinks like people would love that a little a little cooler in there to keep your drinks cool and then even like even before you're done playing you can rum spring and just start drinking you know, with the disc in your hand. You can sip out of the disc. Let me get my notepad out. These are great great Write it down. All right. Rowan, let's do some questions from a few other folks who wrote in. Uh, We've got Ian Gill here, um, and we're a big fan of Ian. Thanks for writing in, Ian, a big coach in the area, and we appreciate all the work that you do. Um, I think that a great question to talk about that Ian sent in would be, what does the ideal practice look like How does it differ from youth to club to pro? I think this is a great question, um, and perhaps we can think about it as a Venn diagram right? between youth club and pro. What are some commonalities of a good practice, and then perhaps what changes from practice to practice? Do you have any thoughts?
2: I do, because I, believe it or not, coach kindergartners all the way up through college and play club and pro. So I have most of the bases covered. Here's what I'll start with and then pass the rock to you. The younger the player is, the more you have to instill a passion and funness about the sport. So they want to keep going. You're not going to teach them everything quickly, but if you get them sticking around and coming back, practice after practice, season after season, then you can start to go deep. So get them hooked, have fun, play games. You don't even have to teach strategy or anything. Second. You want to start to teach the fundamentals when appropriate, because if you're younger, if we're talking high school here, they're not going to have you know thrown the disc a million times. So if you teach them the right way to do a flick or a backhand, then every time they practice in high school, in college, and throughout their adult life, they're practicing it a little bit better. So fun, um, fun first, fundamentals second, and then as you get up through elite club. And uh, the professional game, I think that's when you do a lot of like strategy stuff, assuming the fundamentals are taken care of, and a lot of scrimmaged, focused scrimmaged, and scrimmage variations. That is my quick answer. Feel free to tear it apart. You've played Ultimate through those youth years, which I haven't. I've just been a coach. So from your perspective, what do you think changes?
1: I'm going to talk about the ethos of a good practice. So I think that that is a common one between all the levels that Ian mentioned. And I think that what that means to me is having practice be a meditative place. So there's one for you, Young Bucks, but also a happy place for the team. So whether that is kindergartners, whether that is college students, whether that is uh, elite club players, I think that... A happy place doesn't need to mean like I'm skipping around and, you know, singing songs with my ukulele, which I might do at practice uh, for a truck this this weekend, but we'll see. Um, It could mean a lot of different things for different people. So for instance, David Cranston on our team might be in his happy place when he's like very intensely ding you up and staring you down with a death stare. It's all about finding the happy place for whatever group you are with. So similar to what Rowan said, I think that for youth, like for very, very uh, young players, kindergartners, it's best to just get them playing games nonstop, not a lot of teaching. For high schoolers, I think you can work in a little bit more teaching. And especially if you are playing at just a level above them, give them a little bit of an insight into your mindset. Because as Rowan said earlier, it's really encouraging to hear About different players' mindsets and helps us all get engaged in the game. And that doesn't need to look like super in the weed strategy stuff. It could even be just what you're thinking when you have the disc in game. And then for more elite club players, I think it depends on a more player to player focus, honestly. And this might not be as much of a head coach role, it could be an assistant coach role, but just making sure that folks aren't getting discouraged at practice, especially at that level, because that probably means that they're playing a lot of Ultimate One. So burnout is a little bit more. Reasonable, and two that they are spending a lot of time and money on it in an otherwise packed schedule in their lives, you know. And so I think that that can sometimes lead to stress, and sometimes lead to um, a unrealistic desire to have success normatively at every time you come out on the field, and that's not going to happen. So I think that that can lead to frustration. So making sure that you're focusing on talking to individuals and making sure that individuals are getting what they need to out of practice, especially at the adult level, is really important.
2: Yeah, and Ian, keep hustling. We, we noticed in your in your email, you're coaching two high school teams at the same time, splitting practices throughout the week. So shout out. One last question here from... Dallas Johnson. Rowan, who's Dallas? Dallas is my cousin, practically brothers. We lived together for a couple of years down, 757. Uh, yeah, real close. He moved out to Hawaii. Fingers crossed that his house that he's looking to buy works out, and then I'll go train there for a month each year.
1: We love that. All right, we'll shout out Dallas. Um, he asked a bit of a non-normative question, it's Rowan. Great for our
2: podcast. Dallas says...
1: He has kind of a weird question for us based on watching truck recently. He said that the announcers or commentators talk about truck stops, small ball offense. Some commentators focus on how truck does a lot of small forward movement with the disc while others take it in the direction of height. He said our primarily own O-line players are not necessarily short But at times on the TV, on coverage, they look smaller than their defenders. He gave some examples, Marquez on me, or Yacht on box. His question is, can we give real height estimates of Trucks O-line players, and then a figurative height for each player based on a category that we come up with? So let's start out with the real height estimates. Let's go for box first. I'm thinking a cool 5'10". Bucket. What about for you? You probably have a good estimate for you.
2: I'm six foot exactly.
1: I too am six foot exactly. But you're a
2: little taller than me. Are you like 6.5? six point five?
1: Maybe I miles? got a little point five in there or something. Maybe I'll maybe we'll round up to six one. I play really small though, but we're getting to that later because I hunch. People are like, Who's, that? who's too. that little? Who's that I little man? Too. And then I stand next to him, like, what? Um, all right, Cole. I would say he's probably six one. Plays six six. Yeah, plays really big. That's it, Maybe 6'2"? 6'1"? Mm, s- no. 6'1"? Six 1". One. Six, six, one. A-Roy, I would say cool 5'11". You think taller Tyler. or shorter? Six? Six six one. Six six one. Uh Gus, uh, probably 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I'll
2: defer to you on that one.
1: Is Gus the same height no. as Box?
2: Maybe Gus 5'8", five, 5'9". Five,
1: I think Gus like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I just think he plays way smaller than Box. All I us handlers all be hunching. Hunch. Yeah, so,
2: I think it's working. We're
1: hunching. Uh, maybe this is maybe this is cherished information that we shouldn't share. Oh well, we're already too far in. Who else is on the O line? Bartlett. I would say six one.
2: Yeah, fair. Jacques.
1: Jacques about six. You think Wodach? Wodach about five? About oh, think, well, five. <laughs> <laughs> about five one. Five, one. <laughs> uh, I think six. I don't think. No, he's, I would like, say six one, six two. Okay. I'll yeah, give
2: you that. He dunks pretty easy.
1: Shout out, Jeff. Much love. Um, Who else is on there? Tyler. Tyler, of course. 6'1, um, I'm pretty sure. Are you kidding? What do you think? You think 6'1? Are you saying. My man's not a giant? I think he's like six feet. No, he haunches. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's haunches. He's 6'1. I <laughs> he care. Tyler's like one of our tallest players on the line. I'll give it to you. All right, Johnny, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you. F- Five categories and five random names off our O-line, and you give a height to each one. Got it. Okay. I'm going to give you Brave category, and I'm going to pick Jacques Nissen.
1: <laughs>
2: 6'10". Johnny is definitely... He
1: just, he's like brave to a fault. <laughs> he's too brave. <laughs> he's so he's brave. He's too brave. You can't play he's it He's so time. brave. He might even be a seven-footer in so, okay. Jacques, seven foot brave, Jack.
2: you're seven-foot okay. brave. Seven-foot brave. All right, our second category, I'm going to go with intelligence, and I'm picking Andrew Roy. Um, I would say, how tall is Yao Ming? <laughs> 7 Seven-two. <laughs> Seven-two. <laughs> two. <laughs> Johnny, your scale is extraordinarily high. Th- I just we have two seven-footers d- on the line. Now. I dream I dream
1: about our line being this tall, having similar athleticism. I mean, Whoa. it's it's not it's not an exaggeration, Rowan. We are on the line with some extraordinary people. Next one.
2: Vanity. Christian Boxley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's it. That's good. All right. We're gonna finish up here. We've been going for a while. Don't wanna bore you. Please send in your listener questions. Our email is onethrowpod at gmail.com. That is O-N-E-T-H-R-O-W-P-O-D at gmail. Um, You can find us online. Rowan, what are your socials?
2: (laughs) They got to dust off my socials. Uh, I did share something on Instagram today on a story. Uh, Rowan McDonald, YouTube and Instagram. See you there. Johnny. Yeah,
1: I'm Darth Malks on Instagram. Don't follow me and YouTube. I'm Johnny Malks. Um, give us a rating on the podcast app. Tell a friend about us. Um, Gabe Webster, big fan. I mean, I'm a big fan of his, and he's a fan of the pod. And we were at the Breeze dinner, and he said something that was just incredible for this campaign of telling a friend about the pod. Do you know what he said? I don't. I was he not said, that table. one friend at a time. So just take it one friend at a time. Tell one friend, we'd love you for it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with us this week. Something was in the water,
2: but we got through it. Rowan, any parting words? Um, yeah, John, you're going to have uh, your hands full editing this episode. I don't know what you're going to put in and what I don't know what you're going to take out. But you're a wizard. You're a master. We appreciate it. And thank you. Good night. One throw at a time. Go walls.
1: You're welcome. Go walls. Uh, bye.